Hello, and once again, welcome to Alger Assembly of God. Welcome back to our study, our series entitled Gold. Uh, we're tying into the Olympics that are taking place in Tokyo, Japan. So let me just ask, we're, we're now probably halfway into it, about a week and a half into it. Those of you who are with us in person, if you're watching this online, uh, the Olympics are just about getting ready to conclude. But let me ask you, those of you worshiping with us in person, how many of you watched any of the Olympics this week? So this last week, bunch of hands, okay? So on a count of three, yell out what you watched, okay? Yell out the event or yell out the person that you were watching for, okay? On the count of three, ready? One, two, three. Absolutely. Didn't hear any of that. But if it's uh, like what we talked about before, chances are you watch some swimming, Chances are you'll watch some gymnastics. Uh, chances are you'll watch maybe some of the track and field. Or maybe you watched one of those other interesting competitions. How many of you watched some Olympics ping pong? Nobody. Uh, one. Okay, we got one. It was interesting. I think we watched just a little bit in our household. And uh, I'm not sure if it was Autumn or Brooklyn. It might have been Autumn who was likening it to uh, when, when we went to visit family and uh, over the, the Christmas break. And saw my brother Don in uh, in his church in his home, and he and his boys uh, they've got a ping pong table, and it gets it gets kind of competitive, and and he and I as well. And so uh, they were mentioning about that. Now, certainly our games are nothing like the Olympic games, but it is interesting that the event you know that's a an Olympic event. You can get a gold medal is one of those things that many people just kind of have hanging around in their basement, right? That you just kind of, you know, play a little bit of ping pong. So it's, it's interesting. So you've probably watched some of those events and certainly with some of the people, uh, big news throughout the, this past week, Simone Biles and, and her decision uh, withdrawing from some of the events for some of her uh, personal and, and mental health. Uh, a lot of the other swimmers, Caleb uh, Dressel and, and uh, Lily White and uh, man, Bunch of others you see either winning gold or some you know, getting pretty close with uh, silvers and, and bronzes. And so chances are you've watched at least a handful of those things. So in our study, in our series, we've been looking at Hebrews chapter 12 and the first several verses. And we're looking at actions of a spiritual champion. Certainly, when you take a look at the Olympics, these are athletes, uh, the best of the best uh, that their nations have to offer. And, and certainly some of these nations, uh, maybe you've not heard of or, you know, they've just got a, just a handful of athletes. Uh, some, I've seen a couple different things this last week where uh, somebody won the very first gold medal for their, their nation. And their nation, uh, and I forget which one it was, was smaller than some of our cities here in Ohio. So it's just interesting. You've got these small nations, but they're sending their very best in some of these events to compete. And certainly uh, the United States with many people and many athletes and some of these others as well. So we're not looking at how to be an athletic champion. We're looking at how to be a spiritual champion. How do we do well in our relationship with God? And so we've been looking at, we started out uh, the first phrase of verse 1. We said, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. And if you remember, the key word was remember. We said we needed to remember about the examples of faith. And we, we summarized a little bit about Hebrews chapter 11, a lot of the men and women of faith. We need to remember what God has done in your life. If you would pause and reflect 
and you think back in time, maybe it's just a handful of weeks or months or years or decades, I would venture to say we could come up with a lot of testimonies of what God has done. Don't forget about things. Remember what God has done. And we said, you've got to remember what you're called to be. We're surrounded by witnesses, but the Word of God says we are called to be witnesses. So remember was that first action of a spiritual champion. Then we continued, verse 1, saying, Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Our second action we looked at last week was about remove. We needed to remove sin that clings weight that hinders, and we need to remove those things intentionally with purpose. Many of you came up at the end of last week's service. We had the large garbage can, and we had some little papers saying sin that clings or weight that hinders and inviting you to write stuff on it and then drop it in the garbage can. Some of you crumpled it up, or some of you, who knows what you did to it, but there's a bunch of stuff in there, and we took, we tied it up and threw it in the garbage. It was symbolic of God. With your help, will you help me to remove this sin? Cleanse and forgive me. God, the, the stuff that maybe is hindering me waits in my life. Help me to get rid of those things and really focus on you. So remember and remove. Today we're coming to our third action of a spiritual champion. We're actually... We're going to finish verse 1. Can I get an amen? amen? A little louder now. Amen. Oh, there we go. Okay. So we're finishing verse 1, and we said this. After the weights, after the sin which clings so closely, the ending of verse 1 says this. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Our third action of a spiritual champion is to run. I'm not seeing a whole lot of enthusiastic faces, so let me just ask, just, you know, I'm curious. How many of you love to run? I see just a couple hands, all right? I'm not too much with you on that. I, I was never a huge runner. In fact, uh, in my younger days, I didn't mind running if there was a purpose, Okay, playing basketball, playing a sport, running up and down the court, knowing I could, you know, get the basketball and bounce or dribble or shoot or rebound or pass, you know, but just running to run, it didn't appeal to me too much. Uh, and that seems to be some of you. And I, I look at some of your faces, your face is saying amen, even though your, your lips aren't, your face is saying amen. Now, as I've gotten older, uh, I still don't run, although I am walking quite a bit more. But running, that the scripture says to run with endurance the race God has set before us. Running takes some energy, right? Running takes some stamina. Running is something you, you kind of put yourself into. Because if you're not really running wholeheartedly, you're not running. It's something else. Jogging is not really running, right? Jogging is kind of like half-hearted running. I mean, when this says run with endurance, the race, it, it's not saying leisurely jog, speed walk. The scripture says to run with endurance. So here's the good news. Whether you are a physical athlete, a runner or not, you and I can accomplish this spiritually. We're going to talk about being a spiritual runner. This is the action of a spiritual champion. So 
How do we run? We've been looking at, well, what do we need to remember? And what are some things we need to remove? And so as we look into the Word of God, here this last portion of Hebrews 12, verse 1, we're going to take a look at how ought we to run. So first of all, let me challenge you to run in the race. Run in the race. It is pouring outside. You can't see it on the, uh, on the video. But I, all of a sudden, I saw everybody in the sanctuary just start looking towards the window. Which caused me to look towards the window. So on the video, you see me look towards the window. That's, that's why. You might be able to catch some of this on the audio or on the video. I don't know. But it is downpouring. This is not the kind of weather for people to run in. But the first three words to this phrase, it says, let us run. We've got to run in the race. Now, I find it interesting. This is one of those thoughts that bounced around in my head. I'm not sure if it's bounced around in yours over this last week, week and a half. But isn't it interesting what an incredible amount of critiquing can come from you and I, the couch potatoes? right? I mean, you and I, we're like on our couches, on a lazy boy recliner with our supersized Coke, junk food, and we're watching these world-class athletes who have taken care of their bodies, and they're, they are fit and running and jumping and all kinds of sports, even the ping pong. I mean, you know, some, some athletes there. But we are literally Picking these world-class athletes apart. I just, I found it humorous, right? As uh, we, we'd watch every so often, we watch a little bit at the, uh, the evening with our girls, and, and typically it's with dessert. We, I don't know about your household, we have dessert about every night. So maybe we've got a brownie, we've got ice cream, you know, and a cold glass of milk, and, and, and we're, we're eating our sweets, and we're watching these world-class athletes, and all of a sudden, we've become experts at critiquing. One in particular kind of uh, struck me uh, this, this past week. How many of you watched any of the synchronized diving event? I was not aware that there was synchronized diving. I checked on it. I think it's been around maybe the last uh, 20 years or so, so maybe the last... Uh, four or five Olympics, something like that. I was aware of, you know, regular diving where, you know, you're on this perch. Uh, I think it's about 30 feet. It's about three stories tall. And these divers, you know, they go and they, they put half of their feet, just the front portion of their feet on the ledge, and they stand backwards. It, they're so still, it's like they're standing on ground. But you can see only the first half of their foot is on that. Except in synchronized diving, there's not one, there's two individuals now from this country. And they'll stand there uh, still as anything. And typically, one person you'll, you'll see just kind of mouth or you'll hear with the audio, they'll maybe count. And in one language or whatever the language it is, they might go one, two, three. And then instantaneously, both of them leap off of that, uh, that perch and they do the exact same dive, the exact same tumble, the exact same spins and moves before they enter into the water, right? So here's an event we, we were not real you know, aware of. 
And now we watch a handful of them, and all of a sudden, and, and myself as well, all of a sudden we become experts. You know, for five minutes we watch a handful of divers, and we hear uh, some of the commentators, and then the next person dives, and we're like, oh, that wasn't very good. Boy, I can't believe they did that. I mean, did you see they untucked that one leg, the, the left one before the right one? I mean, that was terrible. I mean, compared to the other, I mean, and we're going on and on and on about picking all these flaws apart. I'm not sure that I would jump from a three-story building into a pool. And if I did, it'd probably be more of a cannonball. Either that or a belly flop or something, right? I mean, we watch some of these people, and they go slightly crooked. Oh, we're, we're crushing them and criticizing them. I, look how crooked they were, right? But guess what? They're the ones that are in the Olympics, we, along with all of you, we are the ones at home, in our couch, on our lazy boys, watching, you know, wherever or however you're watching. We're not in the games. Not a one of us has an opportunity to win a gold medal. Why? You got to be in the Olympics in order to win the Olympics. Likewise, spiritually, we must run in the race. You and I have got to get in the race before we can run. True? I mean, you can watch. You can be the fastest of the fast. And, and I guarantee there are some really fast people who are not at the Olympics. Whether they chose not to race or they chose not to train or they chose not to have that discipline... They're not competing against those 100-meter dashes or the 200 or the 4 by 100 whatever all those track and field races are. They're not in the race. There's probably some pretty good divers around, but they're not in that competition. And so they are not going to win. You're not going to find somebody who wins a race that they did not run, wins a competition that they did not compete in. So spiritually, you and I, we've got to get into the race. You and I don't get in the race. We're not a spiritual champion based on our mom and our dad. You might have the greatest mom or dad as a spiritual champion in your life, and some of you no doubt do. I'm with you. I've got an incredible mom and dad. My dad, who pastored for many years, passed away in 2002. Mom's still loving and serving God. Guess what? They impacted me. They influenced me. They pointed me towards God. But I still had to make a decision in my life to surrender my heart, to surrender my life, to get spiritually into that game. I'm not headed to heaven based on having a mom and a dad that loves God. I needed to make the decision. I needed to choose to serve God, to say, God, will you come? Will you cleanse me? Will you forgive me? I know many people, you've got a, a mom or a dad, maybe a grandma or a grandpa. You've got some people in your lives who have invested in you, and that's great. But you personally must get in the game. You personally must run in the race. We can't be a spiritual champion unless we are in that race. Make that decision for Jesus Christ. Make the decision to allow him to cleanse you, to forgive you, to wipe your past of sin, that you can then compete in those games spiritually. Be a spiritual athlete. 
Listen, there's a lot of people who are athletes who are not competing. As I mentioned, there's a lot of fast people not running races. There's a lot of divers who are not diving and competing. A lot of swimmers who are no doubt pretty good, but they're not in the Olympics. Listen, there are some people who have chosen to become athletes, who've chosen not to follow through and not to participate in these games and in these races. Sometimes that happens in the spiritual realm in the church. Someone says, listen, I want to get in the game. God, will you cleanse me? God, will you forgive me? And so they become this spiritual athlete who then kind of sits on the sideline and allows other people to get in the game, allows other people to, to get involved and reach people for Jesus. I want to challenge you to be a spiritual athlete, a spiritual champion who gets in the game. We, we talk about worshiping God. Let's worship him passionately and wholeheartedly. Let's not let other people worship for us. You worship God. When it comes to growing in God, don't just look at other people saying, wow, I, I see them growing in God. I see them getting closer to God. They're reading their Bible. They're praying. They're doing this. They're doing that. That looks, that looks pretty good. That looks pretty positive. I want to challenge you. Grow as a disciple. Be in the game. Be in the race spiritually. Connect with other people. Scripture says as iron sharpens iron, what? So one man or one individual sharpens another. Who can you connect with? Who can you sharpen in God? Reaching other people for Jesus Christ. Every single one of us, there's people that we know, there's people that you know who don't know Jesus. How can we reach somebody for Jesus? It's not just saying, okay, I'm on the team, I'm on God's team, but I'll sit back and let everybody else be a part. Let us make sure we're doing our very best to reach people for Jesus and serve, serving others and Jesus. So first things first, these first several words says, let us run. I want to challenge you. Run in the race. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm going to give you an opportunity in the, the message to surrender your heart to Jesus Christ. Allow him to forgive you of your sins and give you a brand new start to get in the race spiritually and allow him to help you in that. So first of all, run in the race. Secondly, how are we to run? We are to run our race. Or as I look to you, I say run your race. In the God's Word translation or version, it says, let us run the race that lies before us. NIV says, let us run the race marked out for us. New Living Translation says, let us run the race God has set before us. Listen, hear this. Let's hear it well. You can't run somebody else's race. You're to run your race. Run your race. Because human nature is sometimes to look around and to see other individuals who are in the race and say, wow, I wish I was, I was in their race. I wish I had their life. It's not fair, God. Look at this person over here. Look at that person over here. Whether we compare ourselves and, and look at another Christian, we look at somebody else in our life, a family member, a friend, a co-worker, a classmate. We say, their life looks a whole lot easier than mine. Why don't I have a life like that? What you're wanting to do, you're wanting to run their race. 
God's not called you to run their race. They're called to run their race. You and I are called to run our race. Unfortunately, sometimes we can look to somebody else and covet their race, covet their event, right? Now, in the Olympics, you got to run in your lane and you got to stay in your event. If you're running in track and field, and you start veering off into somebody else's lane and knocking them over, not very good for you. Disqualified. You've got to stay in your lane and stay in your race. You're scheduled for this one. Well, I don't want to go up against him. He's really good. You can't pick that, right? You've got to compete in your race. Your race is uniquely yours. My race is uniquely Mine. And the challenge is, as a Christian, we are called to run our race. The scripture says, run the race marked out for you by God. How many of you wish that you could be the official marker? Right? You, you like, uh, some of you really like those red pens or red markers. You would love to be a teacher and just kind of find all the mistakes and, and crisscross some things. You would love to be the official race marker. I'll say where everybody races. I'll say where everybody runs. Is that how the way it works in the Olympics? Does everybody show up to the race and they go, where are you racing? I don't know. Wherever you want to go. Let's run. Let's run a marathon, 26.2 miles, whatever direction you feel like it. How do you know when it's over? How do you know who wins? A race without a route is meaningless. You don't know where the finish line is. You don't know where you're going. Watched a little bit at the very tail end of uh, what was the triathlon. <laughs> That's definitely not an event for me. I mean, swimming an incredible amount of time just by itself, I'm out. Then hopping on a bike and bicycling for who knows how many miles, I'm out. And then you finish that by running, I think it was, over six miles, four laps of a mile-and-a-half route. I mean, any one of those, I think, and I'm, I'd be passed out. And they're doing all three, and at the very end, I, we watched some of the last few minutes, and, man, they are running about faster than I would probably run at the start. And this was hour-and-a-half, two hours or more of this entire race. You get everybody into whatever it was, the, the pool or the ocean, you say, start swimming this amount of a distance. You've got to have a race marked out for you. You jump on a bicycle, you've got to have that route marked out. And then once you start running, there's a race, and it's all marked out for you. It's blocked out so that you don't have vehicles driving through there other than the cameraman. And you run this route Four times through, that equals the six miles. That is the route. It's the same way in our spiritual life. You and I, we're not to just run our life any way that we see fit. Now, many times we try to do that. We are to run the race. We are to live the life God has called us to. The race marked out for us by God. There is a plan and a purpose for your heart and for your life. Let us live and run the race God has called us to. Even if that race is not what you would have expected. 
Even if that race sometimes is not what you would have chosen. Let me ask you, in your life, in this race you call life, have you ever encountered something you wished you would not have? Chances are yes. You've probably faced some financial difficulties. You say, I would rather not run that race. Maybe you face some physical difficulties. I would rather not run that race. You faced relational challenges or, or challenges at uh, the job, the workplace, the home, the family, whatever the case might be. Listen, it's still your race. You and I are called to run the race that God has set before us. We can be real good complainers. In fact, if they had an Olympics for complaining, man, there would be some stiff competition, right? Can I get an amen on that one? Amen or ouch? Chances are we're pretty good sometimes at complaining about the life we face, the, the, the race that we run, and rather than complaining, we complain more than we run it. Don't complain. Simply run our race, what God has set before us. There's probably things in your life you faced you didn't want to face. And guess what? There's going to be things in your life coming up you don't want to face. Run your race. God is with you, helping you. But that does not mean you're going to face a perfect life. We'll face some challenges. We'll face some hardships. We'll face some difficulties. Jesus said that to be true. But we can be assured of his presence, his power with us as a result. What should the attitude be? As we run our race, let it be, God, if it's okay with you, it's okay with me. But it sounds like something Jesus might have said or prayed, even in the Garden of Gethsemane. You remember that? Jesus was on his way to the cross. He's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. His, his disciples were falling asleep. Imagine your nearest and dearest friends, not of a whole lot of use and help to you in that moment. But what was he praying? Lord, not my will, but your will be done. I mean, he's praying, right? If you could, if you would, take this cup away from me. What's about to take place, heading to the cross, this plan, this purpose, take it away. But if not, God, not my will, but yours. Faithful to run the race set out for him. What are you and I doing? How are we facing our race? Are we running in the race? Have we allowed God to cleanse and to forgive us and, and be able to be a spiritual competitor seeking to be a spiritual champion? Are we running the race God has called us to? I trust we have. I trust we will. Thirdly, how do we run? We run to the finish. Run to the finish. In the New Living Translation, English Standard Version, New American Standard, uh, many translations say, let us run with endurance. King James says, let us run with patience. NIV says, let us run with perseverance. Basically, it's saying, don't give up. Keep going, keep running, run to the finish. Now, here's the thing. You take a look at 
Olympic events. And another thing that tends to fascinate, aren't you intrigued at how accurately to the hundredth of a second you can see these individuals scored? You see swimmers or runners, and you might have, you know, seven hundredths of a second between first and third, and they know exactly this one was two hundredths of a second before second place, who was five hundredths of a second before third. I mean, everything is, is mapped out, and they know precisely how you get to the end. And so in the Olympics, as in most competitions, the winner is the one who gets there first, Right? You want to be first. You want to cross that finish line. Sometimes they, they've got that ribbon. The triathlon that we saw, uh, they stretched the ribbon across, and, and the first person that you know, went crossed it and kind of wrapped it around themselves, they were the first to cross. You're on the podium. You get the medals or you get the trophies. Here's the good news, though, in our walk with God. You and I are not competing to finish first. We are simply competing to finish. Racing to the finish. Everyone who finishes the race gets the prize. How many of you, that, that's a race I wouldn't mind running in, right? Sometimes people talk about the participation award, the participation trophies, and, and sometimes in, you know, for, for little ones, uh, they, they play a game, and, and uh, you know, they, they made it through the whole season. They didn't do too much, but you got them the trophy. Spiritually speaking in our life, it's about running faithfully to the finish. You and I serving God to the very end, faithfully running our race. Maybe, maybe you got off to a great start. You're, you're a great starter. Well, finish. Run to the finish spiritually. Maybe your walk, maybe your life, maybe this race isn't quite as exciting to you as you think it once was. Run to the finish. Maybe things haven't been going quite the way you hoped or quite the way you planned. Maybe you've had some more physical or financial or relational issues. Run to the finish. Sometimes maybe you feel like throwing in the towel. Run to the finish the finish. Again, God is encouraging us. We're not running alone. He is with us, encouraging. He said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. He's going to be with you and I through the difficult seasons of life. Run with endurance. Run with patience. Run with perseverance. Finish strong. Don't just start well. How many of you tend to start well but struggle with finishing? I venture to say at some point in time, we've all started something. Oh, this sounds good. I'm going to take this class. I'm going to start this hobby. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. We start well, and then it kind of fades out, fades away. The encouragement here in our spiritual life is not just to start well, not just to start strong, but to finish well, starting is a whole lot easier than finishing. You and I are to faithfully run the race, run our race, and run to the finish. One of my favorite Olympics stories 
is an amazing one that came from 1968, the Olympics that were held in Mexico City. The closing ceremonies were completed. Spectators and athletes, warm from the euphoria of the celebration, they were gathering their belongings to leave the stadium. Then the announcer came across the intercom and asked everyone to remain in their seats. Down the boulevard came the whine of motorcycles with their flashing blue lights, encircling someone making his way towards the stadium. Whoever it was, was moving rather slowly. So everyone remained seated to see this last chapter of the Olympics take place. By the time the police escort got to the stadium, the public address announcer said that a final, one final marathon runner would be making his way into the arena and around the track to the finish line. See, the race was marked out for him and he was getting ready to conclude. But confusion was evident among the crowd. I mean, they thought the last marathon runner had come in hours ago. The medals were already awarded. What had taken this man so long? The first sign of the runner making his way out of the tunnel and onto the track told the story. His name? John Stephen Aquari from Tanzania. Covered with blood, he hobbled into the spotlight. He had taken a horrible fall earlier in the race, had whacked his head, damaged his knee, and then endured a trampling from runners before he could get back to his feet. And here he was, over 40 kilometers later, stumbling, plodding his way to the finish line. The response of the crowd was so overwhelming, it was almost frightening. They encouraged him through the last few meters of his race with a thundering ovation that far exceeded the one giving the man who hours earlier came in first. When a quarry crossed the finish line, he literally collapsed into the arms of medical personnel who whisked him off to the hospital. That next day, as he appeared before sports journalists to field their questions about his extraordinary feat, here was his first question. It's the one you probably would have asked. It's the one I probably would have asked. Why? Why, after sustaining the kinds of injuries you did, why would you get up? Why would you proceed to try to make your way and cross the finish line when there was no possible way you could win? No possible way you could place. No possible way you'd come near gold silver, or bronze. Here is his response. He simply said this, my country did not send me over 5,000 miles to start a race. They sent me over 5,000 miles to finish the race. Finish the race. You and I, we want to be a spiritual champion. We want to do well in our life and in our walk and in our race in God. I want to challenge you to run the race. Get in, get involved, allow God to cleanse and to forgive you of your sins. Secondly, I challenge you to run your race. We can't compare it to one another. Run the race God has set, God has marked out for us. And finally, I want to challenge you to run to the finish. Don't quit. Don't give up. Yes, life gets hard. Situations come up, challenges and difficulties, but run faithfully to the finish.